Hello and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we'll be talking about healthy and productive schools. I'm joined in the studio by Jonathan Copley, a marketing manager for room automation at Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. We've talked in the past about healthy and productive rooms and how the environment around us can affect our performance and our productivity and how we feel. How does this translate to different applications, specifically schools? Schools is a very good example to start with, uh, John. Of course, what is a school there for? A school is there to educate the children or the students that are studying there. Mm -hmm. And what we find is in more and more countries, there are very strict key performance indicators for schools, often set by government, central government or local government, and schools are under an enormous pressure to achieve the best possible results. These results, are you talking about education results, so the students and their performance? Yeah, it's the, uh, the result in tests, in okay. standard examinations and so on. But it's not only that, John. It's also the health of those uh, students or pupils that's really important. This is a big concern for the local community in general. So attendance rates mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things to make sure that the more that students are at school, they're, they're safe, they're in the right place, they're learning, they're... they're and this is where things have gone a little bit wrong. Okay. Now, quite rightly, over the last decades, we've been very much focusing on energy efficiency, uh, saving money, reducing CO2. This is as big a topic as it ever was, but it's had some very specific negative consequences. And schools is a very extreme case in many examples because uh, energy efficiency means that buildings have become more and more airtight. And that has resulted in the air quality becoming worse and worse. Right. So in this, this uh, striving goal of, of reducing the energy efficiency of schools, because it's something that is owned and run by governments in most cases, and there are a lot of them, so there's quite a large building stock. If we make a small change in one, it can be multiplied. We've gone a little bit too far, or we've got ourselves to the point where by saving energy, we've started to cause some other issues. For the yeah, students. you've been saving energy, you've got this airtight building, yeah. but what you don't realize is, for example, the CO2 levels are going up and up and up as the day progresses in a school. We've seen examples of uh, concentrations of CO2 that are four times higher uh, than the maximum recommended levels. And when this happens, it's almost impossible for any pupil to learn anything at all. They're just drifting off to sleep. Because you've mentioned in the past that when the CO2 levels get to this, this point, it could have an impact of up to 90% reduction in our cognitive ability. Yes, you've probably found that yourself, John, when you've been drifting in and out of sleep, maybe in a, in a meeting room after lunch. This is my new excuse for all the problems at school. <laughs> okay, so, so we've, we've tried to do a positive thing. We've really focused on sustainability and, and energy savings, which is, which is good. It's something that we need to do anyhow. But we've lost sight a little bit on some of the other aspects of the space control, which have a really huge impact on the users. Indeed, it's not only CO2. The humidity can also be an important factor. If the humidity level is wrong, if it's too wet, too humid, for example, you can get mold and spores forming in a building that can impact uh, allergy. And of course, if, if uh, a pupil is allergic and sneezing all the time or generally feeling unwell, uh, that is definitely going to reduce their performance. But humidity also affects the rate of virus transmission within any building, including a school. And 
if you're getting more colds and flu, of course, that's bad for the children and their education, but it's also a very bad financial problem for the school because if a teacher is sick, a school typically needs to go to an agency, and agency staff are much more expensive. It creates a lot of disruption. So if you can reduce virus transmission by controlling humidity to a good level, this can have a really significant impact. Okay. So particularly in an application where these buildings are here for the sole purpose <clears throat> of, of facilitating a student's ability to learn, we find that in some cases we're actually doing the opposite in our, in our attempt to try and be more sustainable. We're actively decreasing their ability to learn. So we have to be really, really focused and understanding of the fact that if we get this right, we could actually help students to achieve all of these other KPIs uh, that people are looking for from their schools and, and their students. Yeah, and the message that needs to get across is when you're building new schools, you have to think about this from the beginning, making sure you have adequate ventilation. This is a big trend coming up, actually. Most of the schools in, in Europe, if we take Europe as an example, mm -hmm. were built in the post-war period in the 50s and 60s and 70s. These are now coming up for, for complete renovation, in many cases uh, rebuild. And thinking about the ventilation at this stage is critical. If we don't do it now, we'll be lost for another several generations. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. And thank you all for joining us here on Buildings of Tomorrow. Please like, share or comment on this episode and also ensure to subscribe to us here on this channel. We'll see you again soon.